Computer, initialize Holosuite. And welcome to another episode of The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Perry. And I'm your host, David. Tonight we're talking about Season 3, Episode 26, The Adversary. But before we continue, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube as The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. That is correct. And as I say every single week... You should find us and follow us because we are awesome. Now, I've been keeping you all apprised of this ongoing saga of trying to get our Twitter page back up and running again. It is still down. Something that I thought would have surely have been an easy fix is turning out to be anything but. I'm not even exactly sure what the issue is, but like sometimes when I go to log in, it's like the Fire Cave page is there. It's alive. It's well. But then when I go to actually try to post anything or make any kind of update, nothing it's like it's like there's nothing there no page it's asking me to re-sign in and re-verify and all this stuff so that's where i am right now yeah it's it's so strange and then like from my personal twitter account i can search for the fire caves and i can find it so it's there all of our stuff up to episode 24 is there but everything else nothing and it's um, pretty upset because there was, um, you know, uh, yesterday was um, Federation Friday. And so I was trying to post a bunch of stuff for, for it and, you know, doing tributes and everything else to certain characters and everything else. And had to do it all from my personal page, not from the Fire Caves page. So very upsetting. But I'm working on it. I'm trying to get it figured out. I have sent in various requests and done all those things. So hopefully we'll be back up and running. But in the meantime... You can still reach us through our um, Facebook page, of course, which is, again, The Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. You can also message us there if you want. And then, of course, you can leave any um, uh, comments for us on our um, YouTube videos as well. Now, as always, we say be polite, be courteous. Even if you disagree with something that we said or want to add something or whatever it is, don't be a jerk about it because we'll just, you know, delete it and not pay attention to it. And no one wants that. So... (laughs) But other than that, um, you know, just stick with us, find us, follow us, and let us know what you think. Now, as always, I'd like to do some checking in, you know, how was your week and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and we've got a, a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to jump right into it. David, how was your week? It was fine. Work was interesting. It's been a little up and downy, uh, so... It was dead for a couple days at work, and then today was a great day at work, you know, big sales, great, great day. Uh, It's just funny sometimes, and it was not my own store even that was having a good day. Like, other stores were having a good day too. Like, I was trying to call other people and talk to them about stuff, and they weren't available. It was like, okay, you know, they're they're busy, which is great. Um, Other than that, life is going like normal. So, yeah, how are you? Okay. I'm doing well. Um, you know, everything is, yeah, pretty stable here. So no major updates, which is great because, like I said, lots to talk about tonight. That is all, uh, you know, Trek related. But yeah, we're good. We're great. Kids okay. We have started um, birthday season once again. This is something that I have uh, mentioned a few times on our show. First time I've actually got to do it live with everybody, of course. Um, for those of you that might be interested who don't remember or whatever, um, my family, all of our birthdays all fall within a few weeks of each other towards the first of the year. My older sister and I kick it off with our birthdays, uh, you know, right at the end of February. And then from February to like April 15th, it's just nothing but birthdays. You know, Uh, my mother's birthday was today. My uncle's birthday is tomorrow. My daughter's birthday is Monday. And then (laughs) there's a smattering of other people who, you know, there's just, again, March 12th, March 15th, March 25th, and then so forth. And then, my nephew finishes everything out for us with his birthday on um, April 5th. So, yeah, we're just like, I don't know how we did it. I don't know 
what was going on in the cosmos or for our family, but for some reason, there's seriously there's like fifty of us, and all of our birthdays fall within these weeks here. So right. we we call it birthday season. <clears throat> but nice. um, yeah, but other than that, I mean, just kind of the endless. Oh, whose birthday is it? Oh, okay, we're gonna go here now. <laughs> okay, we gotta do you know like that you know. But um, once yeah. all that settles, you know. We're good, but um, but that's it. So we're in the middle of that now. We're in the middle of that now. Yeah. Um, as I said, a lot to talk about tonight, and I'll have to get to the the first thing, which is unfortunately bad news. Um, it's been announced that Star Trek Discovery, um, its fifth season, will be its final season. The show has been uh, canceled. The so for those of you who've also been keeping up, you know that uh, Discovery has been on hiatus since uh, 2021. And so now the fifth season is going to be released in 2024. So even though they've already wow. filmed it and it's been and it's done, they said they're going back and doing some post-production touch-ups and trying to make sure that it is a proper send-off for the show. There's all kinds of speculation as to whether or not this was planned. Most evidence seems to uh, point to it not being planned. One of the major things uh, that's contributing to that story is the fact that a lot of the actors were on one of the Star Trek cruises that they do when they got the announcement. They were like sitting down mm. with with fans and panelists and stuff and were talking and got the announcement as they were talking about how much they love the show and couldn't wait for it to continue and to resume and everything else. And then, you know, here comes a phone call. Hey, guess what? You're not. You're not continuing. Mm. So so that show has been canceled. Um, another bit of bad news is the Section 31 show that has been talked about for years is most likely not going to happen. Uh, this is because the show that has been, again, in development for the past, I believe, six years, maybe even longer than that, um, has all been focused around the um, actress uh, Michelle Yeoh, who played um, Emperor Giorgio, also Captain Philippa Giorgio, on the first season of Star Trek Discovery. And um, since that time in the development, her career has just has really taken off. She was always pretty prolific as it was, and she was a right. pretty big grab for Discovery in the first place. Yeah. But since then, she's won several Oscars. She's got an Academy nod. She's got Golden Globe. She's got all these things that have just really kind of propelled her, and yeah. it's getting to the point where both availability and money are going to make it more than likely a non- doable project anymore right. you know it's kind of one of those situations where they just simply you know waited too long they right. talked about it and talked about it and talked about it meanwhile i mean it wasn't like she was just going to sit on the sidelines and do nothing waiting right. for them to make up their minds or whatever and now she's gotten to a point where she's got you know some some real um Cloud. hardcore star power yeah i mean she was again she was always a prolific actress. This is not to say that she wasn't already doing things, but now with the Golden Globes wins and the Academy nods and all the other kind of stuff, her profile is bigger than it's ever been. So trying to get an actress like that to go to the small screen is exceedingly difficult, especially yeah. when they're when they're at kind of that apex of their stardom, right? So um yeah. I just don't see it happening. There's also a lot of speculation that seems to agree with me that it's just not going to happen. So they're either going to have to retool that entirely or just shelve it. Now, um, Star Trek Picard is obviously in its third and final season. There have been hints, whispers, whatever, of potential spinoffs for certain um um, characters and, and so forth, but absolutely nothing definite, nothing concrete. That is all 100% speculation. So if somebody comes to you and says, oh, you know, Worf's finally getting his show, as much as I would love <laughs> for that to happen, there is no truth to that. I, I've done all of the research I could in the time that I've had, and there is absolutely no truth to that. In fact, there's no truth really beyond talks, just like kind of idle musings of any of them from the Picard series getting a spinoff. So if right. you're hearing any of that, otherwise don't count on it. I'm um, still thinking that uh Riker should have had something, but I wow. mean, I, I could, I could definitely see that. And with the popularity of seven of nine, I really, if there was any character that would kind of branch out from Picard, I 
think that it's her. She's been the most consistent from the beginning of Picard, except for, of course, you know, Jean-Luc himself. But she's right. been the most consistent secondary character throughout all the seasons, and her character maintains um, a lot of popularity. So if there was going to be anything geared around anybody, I could see that being her. Right. Um, but nothing else for anyone else. Um, Strange New Worlds is also on a bit of a hiatus, but they should be returning um, in, um, I believe it's 2024 as well, uh, with their next season. Um, that would mean that after Picard ends, and then after Discovery ends, the only new shows will be um, um, Strange New Worlds, Lower Decks, and Prodigy, which means two of the three shows will be animated shows, and one of them obviously geared towards small children. Now, I've watched Prodigy. It's not that bad, but again, is it my go-to Trek? Of course not, because it's geared towards 9- and 10-year-olds. It's not going to be something for me. Now, you know, Lower Decks, on the other hand, is, is definitely for adults, but it's more of that humorous side, which I can appreciate, but I like the more serious bent of Trek in general. So again, right. that's also not going to be my go-to. Um, I And I, I have been enjoying Strange New Worlds as well, but I'm really tired of prequels and the retconning that has to go into a lot of prequels because of the fact that they have to fit that they are in this, you know, time period that, you know, that, that future past, you right. know, that we've already kind of seen and whatever else. So, I, and, and and it's got such a fixed point in the Star Trek timeline because we know that it's before Kirk and you know and I, and that group and everything else. So there's a lot of things in there that, you know, I, I'm just I'm tired of worrying about. I really just want to see a Star Trek show that is once again forward focused and all new and and all of that. So, um, you know. I'm hoping that they do come up with something else. There's been talk of a show that's going to be based around Starfleet Academy. Um, you know, they're, again, not really sure where they're going to land on that. Again, most of that is just talk, but we'll see. Everything keeps saying, stay tuned. But um, I really just want them to do a show that's back in that vein of exploration, deep space, strange new world. Well, you know, not strange new worlds, but, you know, going out, you know, to boldly go, all that. I want that again. And right. um, we, it doesn't seem like that's the route that they're going anymore. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's kind of sad, you know, because of the fact that Star Trek did seem to have such a boom. Like I even said last week, Star Trek seemed to be in a bit of a renaissance there with all the new stuff that they were doing. And now they've kind of like killed all of it. And, yeah. um, um, you know, there was a comparison about how Discovery even though it will have a fifth season, it will only be 65 episodes because seasons have gotten shorter and shorter. You know, Discovery is averaging anywhere from 13 to 15 episodes a season. Picard only has 10 episodes a season. And Strange New Worlds is, I think, the same. It's like 13 episodes a season, something like that. So there was a comparison done that was saying if you were to stack them up in order for... If you were to keep that rate going, 13 episodes a season, Discovery would have to run for 22 years in order to have the number of episodes that Next Generation had. That's crazy. <laughs> and and then and then when people argue about the show and how it's so drama heavy and and it's just always so everything is a traumatic event and whatever else. I, I blame them because the same people who complain about it are the same ones who always complained about filler episodes, you know, and how there was all these episodes that seem to go nowhere. Bottle episodes is another term for them. They go nowhere. They do nothing to advance the plot, whatever it is. But they were essential to filling out character and understanding the tone of the overall show and the setting and things like that. And when you eliminate all of those and distill the show down to those, to nothing but core pivotal moments then after a while you're desensitized to what you're seeing and it doesn't it doesn't flow for you anymore and i think that's exactly why discovery is struggling is because it need it needed more filler episodes because right around the time that you felt like you understood or were connected to a character in any particular way 
they were gone. They died or they, you know, were promoted or moved on or whatever it was. We didn't have four or five episodes, which equated to four or five weeks of us sitting with and getting to know the characters and so forth and all that. All that was done away with. Right. So, you know, the same detractors talk about the show being too dramatic or the same ones talk about the bottle episodes. And now they've killed the show. And um, last thing I want to say before, because I know I've kind of like hogged all of this because I've been thinking about this for <laughs> I've been thinking about this for quite a while. And it's been very upsetting. Anybody who says that Michael Burnham is not a great captain and doesn't fit with the other ones is is wrong. I was going to say something else, but I'll just stick with you're wrong. And the reason that I feel that you're wrong is because that is the same nonsense that was leveled at Benjamin Sisko, that was labeled at Catherine Janeway, Heck, that was even labeled at Jean-Luc Picard when he first stepped onto the scene. No one could believe it. What? How is the show going to succeed with a French-English captain? How's this black man going to lead the... How's this woman going to... Like, that was always the objection every time. And every single time, each of them later on became like, oh my god, they're so amazing. This, that's my captain. No, that's my captain. Like, this is the best captain. Like, every single one of them. Heck, they erected a statue to Janeway in Indiana because the character is, is seen as so pivotal and phenomenal in oh, wow. in storytelling. I mean, a legitimate statue. You can go there yourself. You can look it up right now. You can go. There is a statue of Janeway, the fictitious character. <laughs> All right. So don't tell me that these characters don't matter. That they're not in that they don't have impact and importance. Just because you didn't particularly like them, just because you didn't particularly understand them, doesn't mean that they weren't good and effective leaders. Burnham is incredibly intelligent. She is uh, very quick to action. She supports her crew. She supports her people. She doesn't you know, hide away from her traumas or anything like that. She, she, you know, lets people, you know, kind of, you know, experience that and gain understanding through her, something that none of the other captains did. A lot of them suffered in silence. You know, Picard deeply traumatized by his Borg experience. And the only person he ever talked about that with was his brother and Deanna. The other, you know, and she was the counselor, she was counselor. The others kind of sort of knew, but no one really got to see him really struggle with it because he did it privately. Burnham, on the other hand, when she was having her issues, she definitely discussed that openly. She let people know she was having a problem but that she was trying to work through it and it made them closer to her it made them connect with her and it made them a better crew so again if you think that she doesn't fit you're wrong and I believe that not only her character but also uh, Discovery will stand the test of time and 15-20 years from now I bet you anything everybody be like this was an underappreciated show and it should have gotten more than it got when we had it on can we bring it back blah 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 all the same crap that we say about Enterprise and all the rest of them will be saying it about Discovery mark my words <laughs> uh, sorry oh wow you worked yourself so, so sweat did you? <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been thinking about it because I mean as soon as I saw the announcements about the show being officially cancelled all the detractors you know finally can't believe it lasted this long the show had these problems that problem. oh my gosh it's, and I mean seriously you can do a search right now pick up anything about Discovery and, and see all the negative comments about it and then do a search for Next Generation when it first came out in the 80s and if you just take out Next Generation and put Discovery, it's almost verbatim the same stuff. So it's crazy to me that people are so blind to that because Next Generation is like the cornerstone show it saved the franchise as much as we loved the original series and Kirk and Spock and all them if it wasn't for Next Generation you certainly wouldn't have had any of the movies you wouldn't have had uh, Deep Space Nine Voyager Enterprise any of the stuff the games any of you wouldn't have any of it but it's the exact same stuff and it just kills me when people don't recognize that and that's why I stand by Discovery I stand by that work and if you didn't like the episode or if you didn't feel like it fits your life or whatever it is fine not everything is for you you don't walk every facet of life you don't live every avenue of life just because it doesn't fit yours at that time doesn't mean it shouldn't be shown everybody's different everybody has a right to representation and it kills me when people are like nope 
I'm not going to do it. There was a whole thing about, uh, uh, there was an episode where a guy was just, he was just, he wasn't even in the sh- like show. He, I mean, he was on the show, but he wasn't like a central character. He was just in the wheelchair rolling down the corridor. And there was this whole blow up online about them showing a disabled person in a wheelchair on a futuristic show. Disabled people wouldn't exist in the future. This is ridiculous. Why is he in a wheelchair? Meanwhile, Jordan Force, blind man, piloting the ship and powering the engines on Next Generation and everybody loves him. And Deep Come Space on. Nine, Deep Space Nine had a character. Was you remember the that scientist chick who uh, her gravity on her planet was different? Yes, exactly. She had to roll around in a wheelchair, except when she was in her quarters, and she had the uh, the anti grav unit that she Is that could season uh, float one or around. Two? I feel like that was season two. I feel like that was season two as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Star Trek has frequently featured people who were just different. Nothing wrong with them. There's nothing wrong with the fact that the guy's in a wheelchair. And why do you think why do you think that there wouldn't be people in wheelchairs in the future? Yes, medical technology has advanced considerably, but it doesn't mean that we have somehow magically solved every single thing. You don't know why he's in the wheelchair. Maybe there was an accident. Maybe it was a genetic disorder and he was born that way. Maybe there was any number of things that happened to this individual that landed them in a wheelchair. Doesn't make him any less valid. Doesn't mean he can't still work and contribute to society. Doesn't mean he wouldn't be on a spaceship. So calm down. <laughs> it just things like that upset me so much. It's okay that someone is different than you. Okay? Just just relax. Just chill for a minute. Jesus, if it's if it's not your particular okay, fine, fine. You're not in a wheelchair. That is that's great. I'm glad you got full function of your body. Um move on. Go do something. Go climb a tree. I don't know. Do something else. <laughs> just oh. Now for those of you who kind of agree with me, I apologize <laughs> for the rant. I've been holding this in since this <laughs> announcement has come through. So I, I've, I apologize for taking over the show in this manner, but I just needed to get that off my chest because, man, it's infuriating. We might come back to this in a, in a fire caves after dark. I don't know. But there, I'm going to let it go now. So, David... <laughs> On to what we were really here about, the final episode <laughs> of the oh, third season. season. Yeah. Finally, finally, finally getting here. Um, would you like to give a recap? I'm going to give you a chance to breathe, so yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, so again, this episode is called The Adversary, and we start the episode off with a wonderful, lovely scene with our former commander, Benjamin Sisko, having a promotion ceremony to Captain and his son, uh, Jake, is the one who pins on the new pip on his uh, on his sh- uh, neck there. Uh, during the presentation, and everyone's you know congratulating Cisco, uh, uh, Ambassador Ambassador Krasinski uh, comes up to him and uh, mentions that hey, uh, turns out that the Zintheki, an alien race with uh, they've they've been in a war with the Federation in the past, have had a coup and they've overthrown their ruler. And the Federation wants the Defiant to go out and make sure that they aren't going to start uh, reinitiating hostilities. And so Cisco, uh, shortly thereafter, gets the crew together on the ship, and they go out to uh, basically make sure that nothing's going, uh, nothing's getting out of hand with the Zintheki. However, during this trip, uh, things start going wrong. Uh, before the ship get leaves, O'Brien hears movement in the background in the uh, engine room. When he first is, when the ship first leaves the dock, he sees Bashir um, moving around in the, the Jeffrey tubes. Uh, Bashir says he was connecting uh, one of his devices to the power grid. Uh, but soon thereafter, shortly after they, they, they receive a, a message from uh, someone saying that the Zintheki are starting to attack them. And shortly after, they lose control of the ship entirely. And um, they don't, O'Brien doesn't initially know what's going on, but they discover that there are these kind of like living things in the, in the ship that are like connecting and like basically messing up the whole way the ship works. And they have no control over it. Uh, not only do they have no control of it over the ship, but it actually starts making, it starts doing things outside of their control, like powering up 
you know, weapon systems and it cloaks the ship and basically the ship starts t taking uh, like aggressive actions without the input of the of the crew. Um, they realize O'Brien and Dax realize that the place where they first realized that there was a problem with the ship and losing control of the ship, uh, that that area was giving off certain particles. So they uh, go around to all the members of the crew and uh, scan them for these particles. And when they get to the Ambassador Krasinski, it turns out he's not a humanoid. He's a changeling, and he zips up into the air, the AC, and escapes. And so now our crew is in a dangerous situation. They can't control their ship. There's a, a changeling on the ship who has basically gotten them in this situation by telling them to go out here. Uh, and they are in a position where they might be the ones who actually initiate a war with the Zintheki because their ship is basically looking like it's going to uh, attack someone without them being able to control it. Long story short, and I'm, again, simplifying here, they uh, are able to regain control of the ship with O'Brien eventually uh, after a fight between Odo and the uh, changeling in the war, what's the warp core room, basically. Um, Man, other things yeah. happened, including at one point, uh, it turns out that Dr. Bashir had been imprisoned in the in the brig and doc, the dr Bashir that they thought they were working with was actually the, the changeling uh, and he nearly gets uh the michael eddington the uh like second in command for security they almost throw him in the brig but they realize it's dr Bashir that's in the brig and Bashir they thought they were talking with was actually the changeling anyway odo fights the changeling um and kills the kills the changeling which is a big deal because not only has odo not like he doesn't bring a gun when he does his his uh security work so he tries to avoid violence with with a gun but he uh the changelings had told him in the past that they have never ever once hurt each other so this is the first instance of uh, a changeling supposedly killing another changeling which i have a commentary on in a moment but um uh, cisco had turned on the auto self-destruct sequence uh in order before they were going to get into hostile territory or not hostile, but Zedeki territory, he had the self-destruct on and gave, you know, basically gave O'Brien 10 minutes to solve the problem. Uh, he narrowly get solves the problem for, for our uh, team. And uh, they're able to depower the weapon systems, turn off the auto structure sequence. They end up back at deep space nine uh, where they realized that Ambassador Krasinski was kidnapped and replaced by the Changeling sometime before this Changeling uh, came to the station, posing as the Ambassador. And then uh, Odo reveals that the Changeling's last words to him were, you are too late, we are everywhere. And that ends Season 3 of Deep Space Nine. Our ominous ending. Yeah. So, as I said last week, you know, um, as much as we talked about how last week's, last week's episode facets could have been a two-parter, there was a need to get us to this kind of cliffhanger moment before season four. Because, um, you know, I, I said that this episode really kind of sets up what Deep Space Nine is going to be about for the rest of the run. We get that here and um, that foundational work here. And what we're going to see in the kickoff of season four just really leans really hard into it. So um, for that reason, I think this is a very important, non-skippable episode. I know some people can see some things about it. may seem a little mundane, at least till you get closer to the end. But there are so many very important things that we pick up on in this episode that if you don't mark them other things will you'll will, you will miss out entirely they won't make sense to you later on right so we're going to make sure that we go through some of those tonight so that those of you who are watching this for the first time like david know hey <laughs> this is something you should have paid attention to right. all right okay yeah all right so uh as always I'd like to ask you though what did you think of this episode yeah i thought it was a good one overall um i think you're maybe the idea that it's maybe a mundane episode, like I get it. It's it's a slow tension episode, kind of a slow, slow burn. burn. Yeah, uh, it's one of those episodes where 
Um, the re the reveal of the changeling happens, I think, before the second commercial break. So it happens pretty early uh, in some ways because you spend a lot of time basically uh, with them trying to figure out what to do and like they're pairing up with you know we have guns that are turned to a stun setting that it won't kill someone but it'll knock the changeling out. Um, so it's a slow burn, um, <laughs> but it's part of the reason why it's interesting and different. Uh, the idea that the changelings are able to, you know, again, impersonate someone is pretty dangerous. I mean, we got to spend time thinking about how to do this. But I have to say, it made me the whole time just think about all of the stories that, or all the things that have a related element. Um, again, I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this before, but the game Among Us is mm -hmm. this game. This this episode is, is the Among Us uh, game, which is a fun game. I've only played it a few times. I think I mentioned once before when I played it, uh, there was a group of people. I was playing with like eight or ten people, and I was one of I was the imposter. And uh, there was a group of people for some reason all around this one you know task because the part of the game is is that if you're a real person, you have to complete tasks to fix the ship. But if you're the imposter, you have to fake it. Well, there were like six to eight people all around this one area and so i ran up you know like a normal person and just hit the kill button and so someone died in the in the middle of a crowd <laughs> it was great because no one knew who did it um and anyway just a fun game to play if you ever get a chance to play among us um but anyway like games like metroid have a similar premise there's the x parasite which can impersonate people and the premise of the metroid fusion is that uh, Samus, the main character, her power armor has been possessed and impersonated by the X-Parasite, and all of the people on this space station have been replaced, and so she's having to fight off all these creatures that have been you know, infested. Uh, and then, of course, there's the invasion of the Body Snatchers. But oh, yeah. I think most people who like horror, and I don't like horror, I just know the movie and I've seen clips, but I, and again, I'm sure I've mentioned this when we talked about the Changelings in the past, but The Thing... This episode did more than any other episode to do something like The Thing, where they're having to try and figure out who is the imposter, who's the changeling, how do we figure it out, how do we test them, when we discover that one of them is the, the, the creature, how do we stop it. Um, I mean, The Thing is a horror movie, so like when they find out that you know the, 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 the alien is the alien, like it, it'll, you know the stomach opens up into a giant maw and bites some guy's hands off and the head pulls off and turns into a spidery creature. We're not going to the horror element with Deep Space Nine, obviously. They, they're trying to stay PG right. for TV. Um, but a lot of similar elements are there. The testing yeah. of the blood, the... Um, mm -hmm. Just, anyway, my point the is... The suspicion, is that, the endless suspicion as yes, to who's the, doing what. And, and meanwhile, while they're suspecting everyone, of course, our, our true saboteur is running amok on the exactly, ship. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, the, one, the one difference, though, which I was a little sad, I was a little surprised they didn't really follow up with this very much. We never saw the changeling in this episode ever impersonate an inanimate object. He always impersonated sure. a person, which is more suspenseful in certain senses, but... Because the uh, the show presents changelings as being able to impersonate physical objects really well, I was surprised that they didn't lean into that for this episode. Um, like they walk past something and the camera zooms in on it, and then we are like, "Oh no, it's going to attack them!" But um, that didn't happen. It was always the changeling was impersonating a person, uh, which again is fine. It was just an interesting choice. Um, so yeah, I think it was fun. It it certainly puts the, the the tension on the Dominion and the Changelings. That tension is now really rising up because only a few episodes ago we had the um, the, uh, the the Cardassian uh, uh, Obsidian Order and the, um, Vol uh, the, Romulan the, the Romulans. That's it. They were just trying to attack the Dominion, and it turned out mm -hmm. that the Romulan that we thought was a Romulan was actually a Changeling. So back. when Odo says that the guy whispered before he died that we are everywhere like you've lost i fully believe it like yeah yeah i, I yeah, we've already was... we've already seen how well they've infiltrated the alpha quadrant um, exactly. at this point and so and i mean it was inevitable that they would get to the federation and what's so crazy is i was thinking about this episode before we got on tonight it was this very season that truly introduced the changelings as a species. It was only mm -hmm. the finale of last season that the Dominion, the Tal Shiar, if I remember correctly, mm -hmm. uh, was it Tal Shiar or um, yeah, yeah, that were introduced as as like the the militaristic 
uh, enforcer arm of the Dominion. Oh no, no, the, them. the Tau Shiar are the the Romulan intelligence right. group. Well, who are the you other? Mean the the Jem'Hadar. Those That's are the foot it. soldiers the of the Dominion. Yeah, and in season, I'm oh, sorry, in episode one of season three, that's when Odo ended up being drawn to and visiting with, for the first time, the Changelings on their home planet, or at least the planet they were on. Um, and now, throughout one single season, they have infiltrated the Alpha Quadrant, and as far as we know, everyone is is a, is a Changeling. I certainly think that Eddington is. I, I think Eddington is one. That's my theory, because... You know, anytime you introduce a character in time for a right. plot twist, he's usually the guy. <laughs> but anyway, um, I have no definitive proof. I, I, I yeah. feel like he got a lot of screen time this episode. And he would yeah, make he a perfect fall guy for any future. Uh, oh, that's the one. He and was will, the one all along. <laughs> and, I will, and I will tell you, and I will tell you just um, not to spoil anything from you, for you, but um, he always rubbed me the wrong way. Like yeah. from the moment that I first saw him, he his you know when we first encountered Eddington, remember he also sabotaged uh, the, the Defiant, the, the Defiant, and that pissed on me off. On the way to the Dominion, in yes, his, as they were going yes. to, yeah. and that that pissed me off, and I've I've never forgiven him, and I've just never you know liked his dynamic. Um, yeah, so one that, this episode. That's all, yeah. He's also a suck up, he, you know. Um, yeah, Cisco. he's very much. Uh, yeah, he's very much kind of like trying to ingratiate himself with Cisco. You know, yeah. O'Brien. Everybody had wants said, to be a captain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. O'Brien had said, you know, it's about time, and like he's walking away, and he turns around and says, "I just want you to know, I agree with O'Brien. It was about time." It's like, oh boy, we met you like one episode ago. What do you mean, like you think it's time? Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's like what do you know what do you know of any of them? Like you've been here for maybe two minutes and you've already pissed off half the crew. Like go away. <laughs> exactly. So um yeah, I, he's my he's my fall guy. I mean I would say it's a little obvious though, so I hope mm. the show doesn't make it too obvious if that if it is him. But anyway, um yeah, yeah, it's Well yeah. so so one of the so it's a couple of things here that I did want to say I want to talk about to make sure that you were aware of because we get a lot here especially since we're already talking about the Dominion and the founders and changelings and so forth so you know there we know that from this episode we know that a high enough setting on the phaser will cause a reaction with the changeling without damaging equipment we know that any time that um, a piece of a changeling is pulled away Separated. from the center mass that it reverts to its gelatinous state. So it doesn't matter if they're pretending to be another person or if they're a tree or a rock or whatever it is. If a piece of them gets pulled off, it's going to turn back into the gelatinous state. Um, we know that uh, changelings don't seem to sweat, apparently. You know, Eddington was sweating quite profusely and, and Odo was, uh, you know, collected. Apparently he doesn't right. sweat at all. Okay. Um, so, and we know that uh, these changelings, or all changelings anyway, seem to be way better at changing their shape, especially when it comes to impersonating people, than Odo is. Even to the point that they can fool tricorders. People seem to think that for whatever reason, even if they change their shape, that if you scan them, they're going to still come off as something different or whatever. That may be the case sometimes with Odo, because as he stated, he doesn't have as much... Um, of an ability to, you know, mimic forms the way that others do. Right. Uh, but he does get inanimate shapes perfect. He says, if you scan me while I'm a rock, you're going to read a rock. And as we saw when Krasinski or Krasinski gets scanned, he read as human when they scanned right. him. So there That's was true. nothing about him that would tip anybody off, you know, that he is anything other than what he's presenting to be. So these are all very important things because they come up later on in other episodes and why, you know, like when they discover, you know, the whole blood screening thing, why that is so important, you know, um, and how Cisco was able to, by default, be in in command in that situation when Kira and the Bolian officer and Eddington and Odo all come around the corner and they're standing there and phasers are drawn. It's a very tense moment, but the only person who everybody could agree to trust was Cisco. And why? Because he was bleeding. He had, he'd been hurt by the changeling in the corridor, which changeling killed that guy. 
and Cisco just left him up there. Like, yeah. I, now, now I get it. He's got you know more pressing concerns or whatever. But I mean, it's just like dead body, and, and you left him, and you didn't tell anybody that he's yeah. there. Like, you could have at least said in corridor six A. <laughs> right, right. That, that's what I was thinking. You know, he could have been like, I just saw the changeling. He's on his way to wherever, and uh, medical emergency. Beam so and so to wherever. Maybe, yeah. maybe he could have been saved or something. We don't know. He just left him. Yeah. I was like, good lord, man. Like, take care of the guy. Yeah. But yeah, all those things are going to be important. And, you know, I I always felt like the scene where they're doing the first round of blood screenings and Bashir is slowly plugging in the tubes and removing the tubes and shaking the tubes and all this stuff. I was like, even first time watching it, I was like, Bashir's the changeling. Like, it just, he <laughs> he radiated subterfuge right he was like everybody else is so tense and he's standing there and he's like smirking while he's doing it and he's just so methodical why is that i was like dude you you look you look off in this scene and then of course we find out that that's because he's supposed to be um the changeling here so um definitely works but i did like that like the whole you know holding it up and then all of a sudden the you know gelatinous mass moves like yeah of course of course you know but um, what did you think of that whatever that was supposed to be the program the parasite whatever that is just making the tendrilled connections throughout the ship all on its own you know and it's protected by a force field so of course no one can stop it and Dax yeah. conveniently gets knocked out and doped up so she's no good to anyone anymore and she's uh, never yeah. been any good to anybody on this show apparently I, I swear I, I feel like it's just that's that's going to be the recurring problem when her and O'Brien have to work yeah. together there becomes a reason that they have to separate them because right. they're they're both too good at their jobs and if you have them both together there's no reason why it shouldn't succeed someone has to be incapacitated and frequently yeah it's jadzia hey frank we need some tension in the scene i don't know why don't we knock dax out again Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's lay it out, and even and Kira hits it right on the head. She even says it. Oh, that's going to make O'Brien's job a lot harder without without Jadzia. Yeah, we knew that. We I just knew love that. that that was that the changeling knocked out her and then left her. I mean, didn't knock out O'Brien too. Like apparently, right. like not just dad, just Dax. That's it. I mean, and of the two of them to knock out, if you knew anything, which apparently this changeling didn't know enough, you would knock out O'Brien, not Dax. Not that Dax maybe couldn't save the day, but like Dax, I'm sorry, O'Brien is the chief engineer. Dax right. is backup to him at the very least. Um, but yeah, was, and then the, yeah, I would the I would agree year, with that. That's but, interesting. Yeah. I, I never thought about that before, but that's an interesting assessment. That's true. If you were truly trying to sabotage the ship and make it so that it's as hard as possible to solve the problem, then why wouldn't you take out the engineer first? I mean, that's why I thought for a time that O'Brien was the imposter, because I thought we'd already seen him alone hearing noises. Um, He was in the Jeffries tubes, same thing. He's the only one that wasn't knocked out. Like, for me, the suspicion was on O'Brien. That's why when it was Bashir, I thought it was a good twist that, yeah, the, the changeling had basically somehow pricked himself i guess during the mm-hmm. pricking of eddington uh it was actually bashir because i i i think that scene is a little slow by the way that they're drawing the blood like they edit yeah. it to be kind of slow but, but i didn't it, necessarily think it was bashir per se i just at that point i was like i don't know who it is that's the only episode i'm yeah. just gonna come i'm that's exactly why I thought that it was O'Brien, or not O'Brien, but Bashir, because it was taking too long. He was far too slow in doing everything. Like, for I feel like for a doctor, there would be more practice in yeah. changing those things out, and Maybe, he was just yeah. so slow with it, and, and, the, and the scene was so quiet, and you're focused on everything. I was like, he's the change. It never occurred to me that it was anybody else. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me that they would take out Dax and not O'Brien because he's the one who's going to be you know the hands-on guy that truly fixes the the issue and 
he, you know, and why not knock out both of them? He had the opportunity because Dax and O'Brien were working together. No one else was watching them. And then that's why he was able to get to Dax in the first place, because they separated. They were working together. And then O'Brien admits that he left her alone just for a minute and she got knocked out. Why didn't, upon knocking out Jadzia, why didn't he immediately move to O'Brien and take him out too? He was also alone, and he was more vulnerable than ever because Jadzia, the only person who was supposed to be watching him, had already been incapacitated. So it would have made the most sense to knock them both out. Right, and that brings up for me the thing about the whole, like, all right, team, we're going to pair up and, you know, don't keep your, you know, don't let your, you know, partner out of your sight. Y'all are idiots. If the other, if the one of them's a changeling and he suddenly gets the, you know, the upper hand on his partner, then that partner is already out decommissioned, mm-hmm. and suddenly the changeling's loose. You gotta have at least three people, if not better four, you know, working together. That way, it's really hard for any one person to not have, like, to get out of a out set of, of eyes. Yeah, someone can mm-hmm. keep an eye. Like, all right, you're gonna enter the the Jeffrey's tube while all three of us watch you, and then. We're gonna all watch the second person, and I, like if they were working more court. Instead, they were just like, "All right, team, we're we're effed." Basically, right. Eddington basically says, "You know, we're screwed. There's no way we can do this in that one meeting they had." Which again, Eddington. Which, yeah, I don't know about you, buddy. Uh, but I mean, it also whole, kind of like, makes... I'm sweating and you're not thing with Odo is a perfect cover because they didn't actually oh, bring I... that up. They didn't actually bring that up as the reason no. why they figured out that the the changeling was the person because they just they never used that again so anyway keep going no but we're going to talk about that scene in just a second but i did want to say also that you know they do mention the fact that you know there's only 47 people on board the ship and then so on top hot. of that 40 i thought that was too that it was too few i felt like there should have really? been more like i was surprised there was only 47 i was like i thought the defiant the... was like a small like stealth fighter ship and then suddenly it is seeing plasma beams Whee! Down well, the corridor and well, it is a it is a it is a small ship relative to say the Enterprise. Well, that's you what know, I mean, but it's though. still like it like, but it's, it's still a big ship, right? Yeah. I mean, it's still a big ship, and I mean, I've, if I remember correctly, the operational crew complement is eighty to eighty-five, but they have additional space to carry at least like. 120 people on the ship so the fact wow. that if they have an operational capacity of 85 but they've only got 47 that means they left the station with half with a little more than half of what they needed to operate the ship safely then on top of that they can they they confined a bunch of people to their quarters so they had even fewer people to operate these teams with to scan the whole ship so they really handicapped themselves a lot by not having enough people on board to conduct an effective search now granted this was not supposed to in their head was not supposed to be a mission that was going to end this way you know but still they i feel like cisco should have done a better job and at least at least left with 60, not 47, 60. Well, Give yourself more people. I honestly thought the ship only held at most like 20, or at least like the oh. crew was like 20. So when they're saying there's 47, that's double the amount. And again, the ship, when they're exploring it, trying to find the changeling, it, let me put it this way. I thought the Defiant was at best like a quarter the size of the Enterprise, maybe even mm. smaller. But in this episode, they're saying it's at least half the size of the Enterprise. I would say, like, uh, not officially. I'm just no. I don't even think that it's. I wouldn't even say that it's half the size. Like, I get what you're saying. Like, the way it's presented, you would think that the ship is bigger. But if I'm remembering the ship specs correctly, then yeah, I'm trying to. Like, if you picture the Enterprise D, right, and you've got that big saucer, right, then Mm -hmm. basically the Defiant is really the shape of the bridge on the saucer and then it's got all the decks so yeah it's um it's small it's small because the saucer section is huge on the well, and, uh, and the, the enterprise the holds like a thousand people so i, I guess i'm still under still yeah. overstating the size of it i guess in my yeah head. but it, yeah. still again my point is is that whatever size i thought the ship was before they doubled it in this episode they yeah doubled okay the size okay. of my mind and uh so i thought it i was, think 
we'll get into that too. We're gonna we're gonna definitely talk about ship specs at some point later on because the Defiant is obviously going to become a very you know key point of this show going forward. Yeah. But now I did want to return to that scene with Eddington and Odo in the corridor shooting uh, phaser blasts down the Jeffrey's tube. You know, um, you know Eddington says some things here that really kind of just you know. Rubbed me the wrong way. And it, it, once again, just one of those, this is why I don't like this guy, you know, moments. So to set the scene for you, for those of you who, you know, didn't watch it or whatever it is, you know, they're crawling through these Jeffrey suits. They're looking for the changing. They're shooting down these bolts to these blasts of uh, phaser fire to draw out the changeling. And Eddington is sweating. Odo is not. Eddington says, hey, do you ever sweat? And he's like, no, I don't. And he tells him it's the phaser rifle, the superheated plasma heating up the ambient atmosphere. That's why you're sweating. And then Eddington says uh, to him, you know, you know, if you were changing, what would you do? Where would you be? You know, right. can't you think like him? And he's like, no, I can't think like him. And he's like, well, he's one of your people. Can't you, you know, put yourself in his shoes, in his head, think like he doesn't. And Odo's like, no, I, to be quite honest, I don't understand my people very well. And he's actually sad about it in that moment that he doesn't understand yeah. his people that well. But I always felt like it was a very, that's a, well, point blank, it's a racist thing to say for Eddington to be like, uh, he's one of you think like him. <laughs> I mean, hell, we're all human and none of us think the same. I, you know, like you might get yeah. some general things right about, you know, um, uh, a group of people or even an individual might get certain general things right but to think that you can actively put yourself in the head of in the shoes of another person and know exactly where they're going to be come on no right. one can do that i mean if we just turned that scene around and they were hunting you know some crazy human madman who had broken onto the ship and odo had said yeah eddington he's human like you why don't you think like him where would where would you go if you were a psychopathic assassin killer right you'd be like wait a second you know yeah don't say things like that Right. And it just kind of shows how that fear and the tension of the moment kind of brought out an element of xenophobia in uh, <laughs> Eddington here, you know, right. and all of a sudden he's got this fear of the other and he's projecting it on to this other person who's actively trying to help him. Right. So I was just like, yeah, don't like this guy at all. You've <laughs> like, you've really solidified it. Like your first act on the show, I didn't like you. Now you've continued and now you've insulted my favorite character. Yeah, I really just, I don't like you at all. Like, right. just go away. <laughs> so so. I, I, I was pushed back just a little bit by saying that I, I, because Odo, as a changeling, is able to do things, obviously, that humanoids cannot, I can understand someone questioning him, but it's certainly, I mean, like, oh, Odo, are you dumb enough to not have thought to suggest something? That's kind of how I take it. Like, Odo's committed to doing his job into stopping the changeling and finding out what's going on. If he had a suggestion to make as a changeling, I'm a changeling. I would expect him to do this. He would have already done that. You're in the middle of, you know, basically sweating in the middle of a corridor. So you're suddenly wanting to come up with a reason to talk, I guess. Yeah. It, it, it was a dumb question, but I would say not as because the racist element per se, but more like the, you don't think Odo would have said something by now? <laughs> That's how I take it, at least. I mean, there. I think there's that, too. I mean, Odo has demonstrated again and again that he isn't like the other changings that we've encountered. Right. And for Eddington, again, the outsider, to come along and question him is also kind of upsetting because it's like, okay, you're very far down the chain of command, and right. everybody else trusts Odo, and they've brought him along because they trust Odo, and they know that he is doing his utmost to help them and support them and protect them. So for right. you to come along and question that at any point is unacceptable. Right. You know, if you and if you've got questions, to me, I th I would say. If you have questions about Odo's loyalty and whether or not you can trust him, you need to direct those to your Cisco. commanding officer because yeah. Cisco is the one who put him in charge. So if you want to know something about Odo, go to Cisco, go to Kira. She's the first officer. Go to somebody else who put that person in, in command, not 
you, as soon as you get the opportunity, turn around and blast in his face how much you don't you don't trust him or you're sus- at least suspicious of him and his right. people and whatever else. Yeah, that just, again, rubbed me the wrong way. I did not like that scene at all. And again, just further, you know, just this is why, you know, Eddington, yeah, <laughs> I, you get with, you know, I don't, no spoilers, but I'm just saying, mm, mm, makes sense. That's all I'll say. <laughs> So I'll say. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's it. Again, for me though, it was like the hey, you're bringing up the whole sweat issue as a way to maybe find the changeling, and we never actually used that explanation. So for me, the question was first off, why didn't we? If we're gonna, you know, do the Shekhov's gun, you know, if you mention something in the first act and you usually bring it up later on as a uh, in the third act, um, but that wasn't brought up. So either they're gonna bring it up. For a future episode, as something else to reveal. Again, maybe Eddington is a changeling, but he's better about hiding it, kind of thing. Or it was just kind of a throwaway moment, which I can't think that that would be the reason that that happened. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'll, I'll be curious to see if they follow up on that point. All I'll say is we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> well, final uh, instead of final thoughts on this episode, do you have any? Besides Eddington, because I feel like we've kind of circled him a couple of times here. Um, projections as to what we're going to see coming into season four. Now that, you know, the changings have kind of leveled this threat, you know, you're too late. We're everywhere. What are some things that you either think that we're going to see or would hope that we do see coming into season four? Well, I'm glad Cisco is a captain now. Um, yes. Frankly, I don't know how you can be the be the commander of a star base in a hostile territory without that kind of level of authority, frankly. Heck, even an admiral seems warranted okay. on some level. Uh, okay, pause. I, I have to say, just real quick, I've thought about that for a, a long time, and I believe for my in-universe, and there's absolutely nothing about this that backs it up at all, but here's what I've always figured. The reason that he was made a commander first and then later promoted was because I feel like Starfleet was testing him to see if he had sorted himself out. Considering he was a commander when he was, you know, on the Saratoga, he lost his wife, he was raising his child, and he had really gone, you know, deep into his PTSD and was... Had, had isolated himself from everything. And he right. was even considering retiring and going into civilian service. We found all that out in the very first season, in the first episode. And right. so I feel like Starfleet needed the job to be done, but they didn't want to give it to somebody who may check out on them at some right. point. So I feel like this is a great way to test him and make sure he was kind of up to snuff and okay with things. And that's right. why it was, you know, a two to three year run here. Once they saw all the things that he handled, also his significant importance to the Bajoran people and how he handled their civil uprising and the circle <laughs> and and right. uh, Jar- Minister Jaro and all those things, and they saw that he came out on top again and again, I think they finally were like, look, okay, he's proven himself. The guy's ready for it and gave it to him. So that's right. why I've always been okay with it because I didn't like it either. It's like he's right. the station commander. He should be the captain. But to yeah. me, that made sense. He needed to, they needed to test him a little bit. So, okay. Yeah, I think as an explanation that it works, I think it is flawed. I mean, as you said, it's not an in-universe explanation. It just kind of is. And for example, I guess part of it for me is like also, he just kind of is captain now, but it's not really explicitly said why. It's just, he got promoted. And like, again, like Brian says, I think he deserves it. He's certainly been, you know, He's been doing, doing the, the job. job. Yeah. yeah, I don't think he's like. I and mean, if your if your point is like they wanted to test him and make sure he's actually worth it, fine. I don't have a disagreement with that. I'm just I'm just saying that I don't see how his authority quite yet is truly any different than what he was before. Actually, right. I should mention it was a funny scene when Kira comes up to him and says, "Hey, am I gonna have to?" stop coming up and arguing with you and he says no it just means my opinion is just always right or yeah i'm like never wrong he says yeah. it just means i'm never wrong yeah so <laughs> I, I it was a great little repartee between them um but yeah i just i'm just wondering how his how is cisco's authority truly promoted other than okay. a pip on his shoulder how does he truly... change how does he grow with the role the, it, or does well, he grow even... with the role 
not even him as an individual. I just want to know what has Federation actually done to for Cisco? What have they done on his behalf? Have they just Oh, like it, what does that mean him being a captain now versus the commander of the station? Right. Is it just a shiny little thing on his lapel? Or does it mean something? Does it actually refer right. to something? Can he now call up a, a an inner? Can he call up a, a, a ship and say, "I need you here," as opposed to before he was just basically the the you know the the repair man on the way to you know some better place you know okay. just the, the rest stop. He was the gas station attendant. Uh, now does he have any authority to command anybody really? I, I mean, other than the station which he already had, what else is new? So. Um, I okay. trust, though, that the show will actually give us something there. Uh, maybe not this episode directly, but mm-hmm. something okay. will have to be different, I imagine, as we go forward. I mean, you seem to be indicating that next episode, starting of season four, is going to be a, a whiz-bang episode. Man, so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I cannot wait. <laughs> uh, I have been waiting for this episode since we started this show, okay? Ah. Uh, I cannot up, wait. The wrong thing. <laughs> I, I know. I really shouldn't be. I really shouldn't be saying. But all I all I know is like yeah. as many times as I've watched this show, whenever I'm doing something, I'm just kind of like you know just want to have something to watch or whatever. This is the this episodes. is one of the first episodes that I go to. And it's just, it's great. It's I feel like it's just got a great energy. It just kind of like, it feels like there's a change, to me anyway. Just like it feels like the show has changed here. And um, I hope you feel it too when, when you watch it. And um, uh, I don't want to build it up any more than that because I just, I love it. I, I do love it. And there will be a yeah. lot to talk about on that one. Speaking of change, do they change this the suit or at least Cisco's outfit? I mean, does he? So, I mean, it yes. looks like the V part is deeper. <laughs> there are some. Well, I mean, there were some slight changes to their um, uniforms, and and not just uh, Cisco's. Uh, when we go into season four, pretty much everybody gets a little bit of a. Um, uh, the Starfleet uniforms get an upgrade, and Kira's uniform gets an upgrade, and as does Odo's. So we will see some differences here. And then, of course, there are some things that really kind of point out those differences, which I'm not going to tell you, because they would be spoilers. But you will see them, and you'll be able to look at me like, okay, I know that one, and I know that one. Yes, I can see the difference. And and that's that's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, this is the last time that the theme song that we've been hearing is is this particular style when season four starts that there is a change to the theme song it's a more orchestral cacophonous sound so if you play through the episode you know from beginning to end all the way don't skip any part of it or whatever you will notice a change in the theme song when season four starts as well so um yeah also minor other little details that change um if you're watching the opening credits um this episode was the last time that um cisco will be listed as commander cisco so when the new season starts it'll be captain and then don't get confused about names no one died same actor but this is the this episode season three is the last time that you will see the name Sidig el fadil on um on the roster it'll now be alexander sadig and that is of course julian bashir so just letting you know he went through a little name change so i don't want you to suddenly see a new name on there and be like what they he must have got fired in between the no he didn't get fired he just changed his name (laughs) and a changeling impersonated him for the finale right yeah that's what that's what it was the changeling (laughs) changeling wanted his name back yeah Yeah. but that's all gotcha (laughs) okay well, we are coming um, to a close here, and um, I just want to say real quick about Picard. Worf is proving himself to be a badass, so I have enjoyed it. He and I wanted to tell you this in particular. There's a moment where I felt like he was channeling his inner Loxana Chori, and it was cracking me up. You know, because she's, oh, okay. you know, she's she's got her whole name. You know, Loxana Troy, daughter of the ah. fifth house, holder of the sacred uh, sacred rings of uh, Beta Z, heir to the uh, Chalice of Reeks, all that, right? She's got that. Well, Worf has one now too, and it's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. And when he said it, he's he's just so proud when he says his whole thing, and I'm just like, yeah. It, 
Works on a Troy, a hundred percent. Like there's just absolutely all of it, and I was just I was loving it. So, if you, I mean, I, I know that you haven't watched Picard yet, but if you just wanna, you know, do a Google search or you know YouTube search or whatever, just to see that little part, it's like a minute long tops. But he lists out his accomplishments, and boy, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like because he's going to show up on Deep Space Nine, like I should wait, not do it. Because if there's anything on okay. Deep Space Nine that comes up there, I don't want to ruin it. Actually, yeah. So then, no, don't do that. Because some of the things he <laughs> says are direct tie-ins to Deep Space Nine, and you haven't seen them yet. So, yeah, okay. don't do that. All right. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for us tonight. And um, as always, you know, if you guys, you should uh, follow us, find us anywhere that you listen to um, um, podcasts. I happen to do it on Spotify. And of course, you can find us as the Fire Caves, a Star Trek Deep Space Nine podcast. And we will be back. Um, we'll be back next week, but we will be doing our um, Trek After Dark, in which we will be discussing. Um, the Expanse, book three, and then we will also be doing our recap for all of the seasons. That will that will be the week after that, and then we will be back for season four. So it looks like two weeks out for that. All right, but then we'll be back for season four and some special stuff that we've got planned for the opening of season four because it's awesome. All right, so um, until next time, take care of yourselves. Thanks, guys. <laughs>